All right. Anything else? We're going to just jump right in this thing. I wasn't supposed to bring like a spicy uh, segment about eating ass or anything, was I? No. I don't have any. Thing like you that. could improvise. Austin's all watching me delete, like eat ass from the, the schedule. <laughs> We're all no, you're good. <laughs> so who's the uh, who's the latest ass eater in the NFL? <laughs> I had prepared uh, like ass eating pun football names, but I'm just I'm not prepared for that. On the you're, you're flush with sphincter puns, but no <laughs> ass eating puns. Yeah. All right, week eight is in the books. The second half madness is on. We've uh, just I don't know. It feels like we talk about all sorts of storylines week in week out here on the Bonos Fantasy Football Podcast. We make some predictions about you know power divisions or playoff odds. And then the fantasy football gods just come in and shit all over it and make us look like total dummies. Uh, joining me is co-dummy, uh, the commissioner, Justin. Uh, we were mocking the sphincter division last week because of their, you know, 0-4 week in interdivisional play. Uh, but above the rest, not holding up the end of the, the trash talk there, our division is the 0-4 division this week. Uh, how are you feeling over there? Are you feeling some pain? uh yeah man i i don't know we we talked too much pre-pod like we're not supposed to but it's really it's hard to get optimistic when like none of your decision making pans out you know you start looking in the mirror you know pointing your finger being like you're no i'm not taylor swift song i the problem is me so (laughs) yeah that's how i'm feeling right now well definitely not uh feeling the kind of sorrow worry anxiety stress of uh own ford division mates as justin and i as someone kind of coming off a, a hot win one of the top scores of the Bazinga. week uh in a sphincters division that's bouncing back we're joined by former champion ryan how are you doing buddy i'm doing good uh, yeah the the sphincter is all about muscle memory, you know, so sometimes it'll loosen up a little bit, but it always bounces back. It's true. It's true. I've known uh, sometimes in my worst times, you know, with with me and my own sphincter, you know, it's uh, when things are, are burning and just feels like nothing will ever be right again. You know, the sphincter can always just bounce back and be ready for another uh, crazy week, uh, whether that is uh, some sort of flaming nacho or just fantasy football. It's incredible uh, how resilient your sphincter can be. Yeah. We're like two minutes into the pod. I'm already about to throw up. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, like less than five minutes ago, said, I don't have any, um, you know, like ass eating topics for the pod. And now, yeah, we've barely started and we've been talking about sphincter muscle memory. That's well, perfect. you guys that's should have the, thought about uh, that before you named all the divisions after butt stuff. Oh, don't, that's true. don't say that to me. That wasn't a part of the butt stuff. <laughs> that's right. your fault for not winning the championship, Justin, so you could name the divisions. It is a curse. Uh, Ryan, you're coming off a couple hot weeks. Uh, you know, famously, a few weeks ago, I called your team fake. Uh, obviously, very motivational. Uh, you've put together a couple wins. You're sitting there, you know, not not quite in first place of the Mighty Sphincters, but you're hovering. Uh, what, what, what's your feeling coming into the second half of the season so far? Um, it's still lukewarm. I'm still, I'm optimistic, you know, like the CMC trade looks like, like that's going to go well if things went the way they went last week. Uh, unfortunately, I've got some really bad, a really rough bye week this week. 
So I'm not too optimistic about this next week, but moving forward, I'm feeling like we can finally get this train on track. Uh, Hopefully everything will start to kind of build up. And luckily enough, I was able to accumulate quite a few fake wins at the beginning of the season. So uh, I can afford to kind of, to kind of like not quite be on track quite yet, but hopefully get a good push for the end of the year. I think we're, I think we're in a good spot. Fake wins are still win, uh, real wins on the the standings. That's how that matters. You know, I, I, uh, I'll take all of the, uh, the fake win accusations. I'll be the first one to be critical of my team. I, I'm actually just so happy because every, every year in the past, I'm always like, you see that one team that's just, cruising but basically doing what i'm doing cruising by they're like barely getting any high scores just lucking out on schedule so it feels good to be that guy this time around you know (laughs) i was shocked like this is the start of my depression spiral uh today specifically um when i sorted by points four when we're putting together the show notes and the bottom three teams are brett is in last obviously ryan is in second to last and i'm third from last we're the three worst teams in the league, but one of those things is not like the others. And yeah, you definitely will. We'll take the wins where you can get them. Uh, you know, a part of it, like, I don't want to say it's all luck. I, I feel like a large part of it sometimes is just like, I mean, we talk about the jujus and, and the this and that, but it's, it's about playing defense sometimes, you know, like when you're watching those games and you see your opponent's receiver, like just brick a ball off his hands or something like that when he was wide open in the end zone, it's not just because that player was being bad it's like the that juju that you're you're putting out there into the world that will make your player or your opponent's player drop that touchdown pass and so sometimes even though it looks bad for me in the points department you know you, you got to work with what you got you do got to so make I, things happen and you know there is that that magic you know that surrounds fantasy football uh, you, you can make things happen. And, and, you know, if you can give your team that advantage, of course, those of us like myself, I try to avoid the the magics, the juju. Uh, Cause I always feel like, you know, it comes at a cost, like that blood price is high and, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not always willing to, to pay that high price. Uh, yeah. I don't mess around with that. The, the blood price juju, my stuff, it's all clean. Like I think. I usually don't dibble dabble in that those arts. Oh, we've seen powerful women, um, you know, performing that type of blood magic to to support their husbands. Is Jana performing some kind of blood magic to keep her team afloat this year? Uh, it's possible. I don't know. She does it while I'm not watching, so I've been suspicious of it this season. But I haven't seen any like concrete evidence to prove if she has been or not. Um, if I were Jen, I'd simply make my own team good, but you know, who yeah. am I to, to judge? I don't know why you'd worry about any, anyone else's team. You just work on, work on your own. Um, <laughs> you know, this last week was Halloween. Uh, happy Halloween to all. I hope you guys all had, well, I, I'll ask you, did you, did you guys have a good Halloween family? Lots of, uh, you know, uh, awesome kid costumes, candy left over in the house. Uh, yeah, the, uh, it was it was a little different than we have been in the past. Um, we kind of did like a couple little small things leading up to Halloween, like the the weekend of. We had a little block party. It was just in our cul-de-sac, and then the kids' school stuff. So on actual Halloween night, we didn't really. We were kids are pretty burnt out, so we just took them for like a little lap around the neighborhood. Nothing crazy, and uh, it was actually quite relieving. It was nice because in the past we've gone to like the the neighborhoods where they just go all out and it's just, it's like stressful. There's just like too many people running around and just too much. 
So this year was this was nice. It was good. We still have a ton of candy. I'm already tired of eating candy. Uh, <laughs> the costumes all went good. I don't know if you guys or if you guys see us on uh, social media. I 3D printed a helmet for Luke from some obscure video game that he likes to play, but it came out pretty good. It was a cool little uh, giant helmet thing that he wore around. So that was fun. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Justin, do you guys did a similar like you went out like earlier in the weekend, right? Yeah, I I keep seeing these people complain, you know, that like trick or treating just, you know, isn't like it used to be. Um, And I don't know what it used to be like up here, but, you know, there's definitely less decorations and stuff. I don't think anybody's talked about the fact that like there's too many Halloween events now. It's like, uh, you know, hundreds of trunk or treats and then there's like school functions and stuff like that. We're celebrating Halloween for like a week straight. And yeah, by the time Halloween rolls around on Monday, like, I mean, the kids are fine, but yeah, I was pretty burned out. Um, but yeah, we had fun. Um, you know, uh, Edie picked our, our, uh, theme for our family, uh, Halloween costumes. And that was pretty fun. Although out of the hundreds of people that I saw, cause we're like volunteering at a school function. So we got to like see all these people and talk to them and stuff. Uh, I think, uh, it was two people recognized my costume out of all those people. <laughs> so, but that's what happens when you dress like a 10 year old girl from uh, anime. So yeah. Bless those two people. Um, yeah, Hannah and I, we, we, uh, stayed at home on Monday on Halloween night. Uh, we weren't sure if we were going to get trick or treaters. In the end, we didn't. No one came by. Uh, but uh, I think uh, kind of along the same lines you guys were saying, it's like it's, it appeared like people were going out for events and things, and like the actual trick or treating, just not as big as it as it used to be when we were kids. Uh, the other aspect, the other thing we were doing is we just watched like Halloween episodes of all you know our favorite shows. Um, and so many episodes of Halloween are, are, you know, based, of course, around the Halloween party um, and just, you know, everyone in costumes, getting crazy, getting wild. And it made me think of, I mean, the, the three of us have been to a fair amount of Halloween parties together. Uh, the whole time I just kept going, like looking at it, not thinking like, I wish I was, I had a, had a Halloween party, but more thinking like, I wish it was 10 years ago and I had the energy to go to a Halloween party like that again. <laughs> Our youth is wasting away. Mm-hmm. I share I share those feelings. Yeah, it would be nice to just to yeah yeah that would be fun. Um, I I had a another question that you went over. Are you cursed with the burden of having a giant bowl of Halloween candy that you didn't pass out now? Uh no, we got uh well they they call them leftovers at, at Target, but we the the two leftover candies that they have are peanut M and M's expected. You know that's I don't think that's a very popular Halloween candy. And, and I really then um, I I like them, they're fine. Uh, but the other leftover candy was the uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, which you know according to a poll in one chat or another is is very popular. Ryan, I think you said that that's your favorite candy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. My my thought with that being left over at, at the last you know candy of the store must be that they know that it's so popular that they just order, you know, shit ton of Reese's. So I'll, I'll never complain about having extra Reese's at my house. The, the problem that I feel like I have around this time is I will admit that I have like zero self-control when it comes to candy or sweets mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when I have this giant bowl of it, I just I just want to eat it. And I can't stop. So I'm basically just walking around just eating candy all the time. And I just feel like crap because I'm just stuffed full of candy, but I just can't stop eating it. And so then my, in my mind, I'm like, I just need to get it all gone. I just need to eat it all until it's all gone. And then I won't have to deal with it anymore. It just so suffer. It's, it's, a real, it's a real burden. Yeah. Just get it all in your body. Suffer one you know, day of sugar uh, 
addiction and then yeah you just move on till next year all right ryan we've had you on the pod uh maybe more often than uh you know a lot of other teams but yeah just wanted to dig in you know for some teams that are maybe uh, not so familiar uh or maybe things have changed over the years so just got some questions we've been asking people as they come on this season what is your favorite nfl team uh my favorite nfl team i think is still the ravens uh I just I really latched on to them in the years that I had had Lamar and you know one of the years that I won the championship was with uh, Lamar and Mark Ingram one of the the years when Mark Ingram was actually good and that like really carried me to a championship and and since then I've kind of just latched on to to the Ravens I usually like to have a player or two from that team and I still find myself rooting for them although this season, I, I kind of been being drawn over to the uh, the Giants. You know, they couldn't couldn't hold up against your guys' Seahawks this week, but there's some magic going over there in that New York team. Yeah, I was wondering about the the Ravens now that you know Lamar is no longer a member of the Butthole Surfers, but still within the Ruditus household. So you get you know a little over the shoulder, you know, still watching I, Lamar a lot. Yeah, and you know, just like a little insight into how things go when we're watching football in the Ruditus household, like. Unless Jan and I are playing against each other or there's some other kind of like, you know, outside uh, motivation against our opponents. Like I'm generally rooting for her team besides my unless unless it's at the expense of my my best interest for my team, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I'm still rooting for Lamar and still rooting for her Ravens most most weeks. Uh, so that's a great follow up question. Um, who's your favorite player? Is it still Lamar? Someone else taking that spot? <sighs> um. My favorite, that's a tough one to watch. Like, or to, to I mean, I've, I haven't had CMC in the last, or ever, and he's really been kind of below expectations this season. And then last week I got to watch him uh, rush for a touchdown and then throw a touchdown pass and then receive a touchdown. <laughs> and that was a hell of a lot of fun. And, and what was even more fun was the the throwing touchdown was to my other fantasy player. Like I can't, I'm sure Janica or witnessed it, but like seeing that that in real time, just seeing him like pitch it out to McCaffrey and being like, "Oh shit, he's gonna throw it," and seeing him bomb one out, and then seeing on the other end of it, Iuk, just like was a just a, a huge level of excitement for me. I was I was screaming. I was. I was I was stoked for that play. It does that does sound like a magical moment. I mean, uh, I remember the years that I had OBJ. You know, at least once a year, he has a like fifty yard touchdown pass. Um, you know, he they they would like toss it to him, and then he'd throw fifty yards to, like Jarvis Landry, catch a pass, and you'd always be a little bit disappointed because it'd be like I'd rather get the receiving portion of that. It's a lot more points, but you know, good for OBJ. It's always fun to watch. Uh, you got the real power pack there with the stack in that play. So it's like, doesn't really hurt you that CMC's thrown, thrown to Ayuk. And then, you know, you get that little mini stack that no one expected on an awesome play. That sounds great. Hell yeah. So yeah, CMC's, uh, he's shooting up the board. I think if, if he keeps playing, like if things keep going like that for the, with his time with the 49ers, it's going to be, he's going to be one of the, my faves. Although I, I will say the dude is, is like, I compare him to like Mike Trout in baseball. Like he just has zero emotion when he's playing the game. It's like the guy is just like a machine, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have a, another team in the league that you would consider your rival? Uh, I, I think you guys have probably heard in the past. I've named Lucinda, my rival. 
and that still holds up. We are in division uh, this season, so we're like directly competing against each other. And it feels like we all every time we meet up, there's always a uh, it's always a tough battle. I, I think I lucked out against her in our, my first game this season, but uh, yeah, I definitely consider her my rival. Um, Austin added a question here. I don't think we asked the other team. Do you have a, a league friend? <laughs> a league friend? Yeah, I was just thinking like, you know, you kind of mentioned it, you know, like watching football, Janet, if you're not playing against her, you know, you're kind of rooting for her. But I was just thinking like in general, is there like a team, you know, if you're not going to go all the way and, and win the Bogle, like a team you kind of root for, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I think, um, I think I, it would probably be uh, Jana's rival, Eric. Uh, Eric and I usually have like really good, uh, like trade convert or like, you know, we'll usually touch base every couple weeks or whatever, just kind of talk about trades and stuff. And it usually turns into, even if we're don't have any thing that we can trade, we're still kind of like having some good football talk and, you know, friendly, friendly chit chat that I always enjoy. So yeah, I think I'd say TGIF. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a. I always thought that was a good answer from Jana about uh, rivalry with TGIF. So it comes full circle there. I also love the Lucinda rivalry because I still remember, you know, her first uh, season in the league, making it all the way to the Bowl Bowl, you winning with that championship. And yeah, there's something about like a rivalry forged in the final game for it all that uh, that's it's just like you know it's carved out of diamond. It's gonna last forever. Yeah, you know, like she was. Uh she came into the league directly the year after I came in and she was like tearing it up her first season in the league. So I you know, kind of felt like she was like stealing my thunder a little bit as the, as the new person in the league. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a rivalry from the beginning. Awesome. Well, uh, we do like to, you know, just check, make sure the, the facts on the wiki are still up to date, all those rivals and uh, favorite players and all that. So, go, so we'll see if CMC continues to, to capture Ryan's heart. Um, but yeah, Justin, before we get into all the uh, madness, did we get any interesting mailbag? I know we didn't announce that Ryan was going to be on, so we didn't get any probably a Ryan mailbag, but what do we got? I don't, I don't even want to read these. You remember when I used to run that script that I had that would like generate mailbag? Yeah. And it was like these unhinged comments. That's like what the, the mailbag is this week. Um, we'll just, we'll just start at the top here. Poor little cake, soggy bottom. Poor little cake, soggy bottom. That's the whole comment. I think I'm just guessing, but I think that's a reference to the show Ted Lasso. And uh, they were watching the English Bake Off and they were all chanting the soggy bottom. That was a song they were chanting. So I think that's a reference to a certain um, Baker team in our league. That's got a soggy bottom because they they baked a shitty cake this week. Is this the mail that you submitted? Yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it since <laughs> I didn't maybe, personally write any mailbag this week. Maybe uh, maybe Austin should look up the the little the song, the chant, and, and make the audio clip our our intro, and so then we'll have a little more context. We'll see, we'll see. Or the outro. Wow, maybe the whoever outro. sent in that mailbag really had some uh, just a lot of decision making for the pod. I love it. <laughs> Very, very decisive comments here. Um, the next one here. Uh, hey, Kamish, how's your head feeling? Um, my head feels horrible because my team is horrible. But, you know, that's life. 
where your team is bad and you make bad decisions. Yeah, uh, it's pretty pretty ugly week uh, for you in that uh, you know you got the worst score, Jim got the best score. I mean, is that a relief? Um, you know, when you're on rock bottom, to just get stomped by the uh, you know the king of the hill, or does that make it worse because the point spread? Uh, I don't know. I, I think like statistically, it it should be good, right? You should be stoked that your team bottomed out. But um, I I don't know, man. I'm just just tilting. Still trying to get a sense of my team this season, but running out of time. Um, all right. And then last one here. I'm always looking for good investment returns for a player trade or a waiver wire pickup. Okay. Here was one investment I wish I made. I had the opportunity, but passed. If you invested $1,000 in DraftKings five years ago when they first started selling stock, you'd have $34 million today. Damn. Remember, sometimes you have to take a chance on an investment to reap the rewards. Signed. Uh, I can say it right this time. Signed, Narls. It's it's N A R A, which already makes it not like Charles, but it, they wrote pronounced like Charles with an N. Wahlberg. <laughs> Signed, Narls Wahlberg. I'm the black sheep Wahlberg brother. You best get my my name straight out your mouth. Uh, with hot investment advice uh well i'll ask you guys who are who's the player right now uh who we should be putting a thousand dollars on who will make us 38 millionaires uh, in seasons to come uh a, a player like a, a player that's I'm, I'm confused about the question any sort of keeper do you got it you have a hot keeper pick yeah um alec pierce he's he's uh he's he's coming on hot He's on my roster. He's got great uh, keeper potential, and if you had some studs you wanted to trade, I would I would pick that guy up for sure. Yeah, he keeper next year. He's destined for uh, Austin Collie greatness. Uh, he's on the West Welker track for sure. If you're on a team that sounds like Buffy Funnies, you should try to get Alec Pierce. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I guess yeah, that was the end of the mailbag. We can dip into this conversation a little bit. I, I feel like the keeper situation is a little bit, uh, watered down this season. Um, there's some guys that have been immediate contributors, although they've been a little bit up and down, um, you know, or, you know, uh, like Walker where they're just so valuable that nobody's going to trade them. Um, I don't know if you guys have been testing the waters one way or another. I myself have been trying to trade my keepers to get, um, other players, but I don't really have any great keepers. I know Austin, you've got a handful of, uh, you know, decent guys, but Wait, you, you don't have great keepers. You have the best keeper, or you mean you don't have great keepers that you don't want to get rid of. I, I have gotten offers for Justin Jefferson, but you know, I, I've, I made a comment on last pod, how I, I would trade anything to win right now, but he's already the best player. So what else am I going to get besides more guys? And, you know, at the price that I have him at, I mean, this is like a first round pick for the next like four years. Um, I, so I think that kind of goes into what you're saying about like Walker and some of the other, um, yeah, the other, it's like either they're hitting on such a high level that they're not replaceable or they're not worth trading for. It's kind of one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What, what, what's your guys' sense? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'll start with you, Ryan, because I've been talking to Austin about it. But yeah, have you uh, found that there's a, an appetite for keepers or it's a little bit harder this year? Or? I, I haven't been shopping them too hard or too heavily just because I don't really have much. Um, and I know that I don't have much. I, I like it's it's just kind of hard to know. I guess you got to get out there and ask. You got to know what other people are are seeing. Like like I I, I, you know, kind of was joking about Alec Pierce. I've been watching him and I think he really is 
really good, but you know, he's got other competition ahead of him. He doesn't have a good quarterback. Um, you know, so there's, there's definitely some hurdles there. It's, it's just so hard to know what is gonna, it's going to look like next year. And it's kind of, I think, um, I think Austin had touched on this prior. It's, it's, it's more about a game of just accumulating as many guys as you potentially can. And then, you know, when it gets a lot closer to the end of draft season, then you can kind of suss out what you have. But at this point you should, if you're, if you're trying to collect keepers, you should just be trying to kind of take like a scattershot approach and just try to get as many, as many potential people as you can. I mean, that was your strategy last year, right? I mean, would you say, are you pretty happy with that decision last year? Are you feeling like it's, it's, Uh, I was, I was happy with the process. I feel like I, I really whiffed on the results, um, but I, I, I'm not too upset with it because I feel like it could have easily break in, broken in another direction. Like, like who would have known that, you know, like Acres seems healthy. Who would have known that he, the Rams backfield in general, was just going to fall apart. The offensive line is going to be shit. You know, there's more problems there than just Acres. Um, Michael Thomas is my other keeper. And he, I didn't really have a lot of optimism for him. I was kind of thinking I was just going to get him at price and, you know, either way it went, he kind of, he kind of lulled me in with a couple nice weeks and now he's just disappeared. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that dude. I don't know if he's going to keep playing football or what, but he's kind of clogging up a roster spot and I don't know what to do with him. He's kind of in a funky spot. So I, I feel like I got some bad breaks, but I, I still am not upset with my process. Uh, I mean, it did net you T Higgins, who I'd say is probably, you know, maybe the only guy working out. Do you think it was worth it yeah. just to end up with that one good guy? Um, maybe I like, I'm not upset with T Higgins. I just wonder like, you know, my, my draft process might've been different if I hadn't kept those guys and I probably would have invested more in the, in the wide receiver earlier in the draft. So it's hard to tell if I would have ended up with a different much different team or not, but I, I'm, I, you know, I am happy with, with what I've gotten for T Higgins at the price. You bring up an interesting thing with keepers, like uh, as far as, you know, looking ahead to you know, next year's draft, changing draft strategies on the fly. Um, it, it does come into, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking back, you know, a few weeks ago, even with all the injuries to, to JT, you know, even a few weeks ago, I'm like, I'm I'm pretty solid at running back, you know, and that was one of my strengths coming into it with keepers. Uh, you know, it's just like, well, I don't need to think about you know getting a stud running back. Now here I am, you know, eight weeks in, and it's like, wow, that stud running back that I thought I had is uh, is a ghost, you know. Uh, uh, and then, but that was really that really affected my draft strategy, you know, a couple months ago. Is like not really scoping out running backs because I didn't need to this year. Um, so yeah, it's like not only a decision you have to make for this season, if you're, you know, maybe selling out or, you know, building for next year, you got to kind of decide, you know, when you're making, pulling the trigger on acquiring like a big keepers, like, what does this mean for, uh, my, my, uh, franchise plan? You know, are we going to build around this player, you know, next year's draft and, and going forward changes a lot of things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I think, like I said, looking at, you know, I, I don't think that I have much to move as far as keepers go um, because my guys are either, you know, uh, they're so good that I'm going to keep them or they're unproven. And I, you know, I've kind of got the sense um, on the opposite side of that too. Like, well, Hey, maybe it's worth it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of on the cusp right now. Maybe it's worth to kind of like reload right now, 
before one of the other teams does. But, you know, it's been hard. I can't really, you know, aside from the guys that are already producing, I don't see a ton of guys where I'm like, yeah, like that's the guy I want. Um, say they all have like significant risk with them right now. Yeah. And that's the tricky thing about trading for keepers that's, you know, as well as the ones. If you have a keeper whose value is obvious, you know, and I'm talking about like their future value, but also they got some value now. And I'll say like Chris Olave, right? Like has value now. You can see him having value for the future. Um, people would be interested in trading for him. But whoever has Chris Olave, in this case, Eric, you're starting him. You need him. You know, so if you're in that position where you're making a push, you know, you're not trading him away uh, to get a bigger piece. Um, it's like a lesser extent to what you're talking about with, you know, Justin Jefferson, because Justin Jefferson is part of your plan for winning. And, you know, that even takes effect with the, you know, just budgeting receivers like Olave. Uh, it, it, I mean, yeah, it, it's just hard to know. Like, I, I think about the trade that I made with Ryan last year, too. Um, I, I don't remember all the pieces, but yeah, he got T Higgins, I, who who was a contributor, like up until that point. Um, I got Devontae Adams, who, you know, obviously everyone would rather have Devontae Adams over T. Higgins. But I remember, I mean, there was like a three-week stretch where Higgins was just blowing Adams' numbers out of the water every single week. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, why did I even make this fucking trade? And I think that's what's hard is like, yeah, a lot of like the draft capital or like these guys' veteran status and stuff is like really ingrained in our minds. But, you know, if you just like threw their stats on the board and picked, you know, it might not even be worth it to move that guy for a stud. I mean, maybe best case scenario, you get like an extra 10% production out of it, but you know, you're, you're leveraging your future and stuff. So it's, it's hard. Definitely going both ways, being a buyer and a seller. It, yeah. And like a part of that is just luck in general. I mean, we, we can't predict yeah. the future or anything like that. Like you say, you, you put T Higgins and Devonte Adams side by side and, well, maybe it's a little different now that he's with the Raiders. He's had some great names, but but typically you would put them side by side and you'd pick Devontae Adams, you know, nine times out of ten, unless you're trying to be like contrarian or something. Like it, it's just it, a lot of it just kind of boils down to luck. But yeah, it always will get you kind of looking back in hindsight and wishing things had gone a different way or, or whatever. Looking back in hindsight is what fantasy football is all about. Um, Cause you know, you have a tough week, maybe you have a tough season and you can spend all your life just looking back on it and going, maybe I should have done X and <laughs> not Y. And then things would be so much better because I'd be Bono Bobo's champion right now. Um, yeah. I do that all the time. Like, trades or potential trades that like maybe you were talking about doing with someone and you got really close to finalizing and then I'll go back and look like, Oh, what would my team have looked like if I had had these players for the last three weeks or, you know, it's always interesting to do that, that thought experiment. That's why I do like the uh, fancy pros uh, trade analyzer tool. I haven't used it this season, but one thing it does is like, it actually shows you your roster, like after you make the trade and that way you can like hypothetically roster bait to the trade that you haven't even offered yet. Cause you know, no one will probably accept it, but it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, the old team looks good like that. Yeah. Oh, you and my flex. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking, I pulled out my team last year because I was trying to remember the trades that we made. And man, how, like, how did I not win last year? Kyler, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Rashad Penny, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Tyler Lockett, Kyle Pitts, Jordan Brooks, TJ Watt. Woo. It's making me feel a lot more depressed about my team this season. Yeah, it's pretty stacked, pretty stacked. 
All right. Um, well, let's jump over to some of the other stuff we're going to look at. So I we've been playing on ESPN for a long time, right? The whole time we've had this platform. I've been in other leagues um, that are also on ESPN. But uh, I ran into a situation this morning that confounded both Austin and I. Uh, hadn't happened before. Uh, what I like to do before waivers, and you can kind of get into trouble like this if somebody picks up the players that you dropped. Um, but rather than tie my players to specific players on my bench that I want to drop, I like to just drop the bench guys and then just make a whole bunch of claims. So I don't have to put in like a bunch of like, you know, different claims attached to dropping a different guy, whatever. So anyway, I had a bunch of claims this morning. I thought I was going to pick up four players. And when I looked, I had only picked up three and I was very, very confused. I messaged Austin. We were both taking a look at it. Could not figure it out. Finally forgot what it is. This is a PSA for the rest of the league. My my pain can be your benefit. <laughs> if you yourself put out a trade offer to another team and that trade offer is for a player that's currently on your IR, it will not allow you to fill that empty bench spot. Because when the other player, when the other team, if they were to accept that trade, you would need that bench spot for the player that's currently on your IR. Um, so it kind of forced me out of um, an extra acquisition this week, which was Austin's backup running back, which I'm sure he's more than thrilled that my claim did not go through. Well, uh, well, we'll we could talk about that later. It, does that mean that you can't, if you don't like have that free bench spot and you're trying to trade an IR spot player that it straight out won't let you? Will it? stop you from you straight up cannot pick out players i tried to do it as the commissioner too i tried to add the player to my team but with that pending trade and it's not like this is a trade that's going to go through this is just something that i offered out Mm -hmm. um yeah i could not add a player to my roster even as a commissioner so if you are making acquisitions maybe clear out all those trade offers that you have before the waiver wire goes through just to make sure you're not messing with that process at all you typically there's a lot of reasons you shouldn't leave trade offers open but you know there's yet another one don't don't really let them like sit out there um you know unless you have to yeah especially uh i mean psa on not leaving trade offers open that could have gotten our lead over the last uh, 24, 48 hours with the trade deadline and, and the actual NFL going. Uh, you could get some, you know, late break news and suddenly, you know, your uh, your players totally bust. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know. I kind of disagree. This is not the point of your PSA, but I definitely agree. disagree with your whole drop a bunch of people and then, you know, just put in a bunch of blanket waiver wire pickups. I don't know, Ryan, how you fall on this. I like to, you know, you could do a little bit of like conditional programming with your, you know, dropping specific people. I'm going to drop only this guy for a tight end or, you know, make sure that this position's for, you know, whoever, you know, a little bit more strategy. I, I, I'm definitely not saying that you should just drop the guys ahead of time. There's definitely like, if I only need a wide receiver to replace a wide receiver, I'm going to time. I did have some claims tied in last night for like my defensive end and stuff like that. But when your bench is absolute garbage and you're looking to just <laughs> churn the whole thing, yeah, man, just drop all your players, you know, 10 minutes before waivers process. Nobody's going to notice anyway. Or like me, drop all your players on Tuesday because you're so fucking tilted from how the weekend went. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. I, I usually like the process that Austin has. I usually only drop players to replace other players. Although I have been doing the uh, Tuesday night player dump a lot this week because or this season because I have been filling up my IR usually as the week goes on because like Michael Thomas will be ruled out. Some other player will be ruled out. So usually our cam acres has been another one that's so all I'm ending up filling up my IR and then uh, loading up those spots, those empty spots as the week goes on. And then on Tuesday I need to 
if I want to make any moves, I got to empty out my IR. So therefore I'm dumping all of my other players to, to do that. So it's been kind of a, it's, it's a, it's a good thing and a bad thing. I think, I don't know. It's kind of nice having being able to make those, those moves earlier in the week or later in the week. But also I wish those players were just healthy and scoring good points so I could just play them. Yeah, for sure. You know, while we're talking about waiver wire and strategy, let's go real deep. This might be too galaxy brain, but Justin and I were sort of talking about this beforehand. Uh, just that also, like, if you look at the waiver wire, you know, this morning, Wednesday, uh, after waivers dropped uh, for week eight, if you scroll down the bottom, you see all of Justin's failures just presented forever. You see everyone that he's trying to pick up right now. Um, so, I mean, Justin, I'm, I'm not sure we were talking about how other platforms, you know, will hide that, you know, unsuccessful due to, you know, roster size things. They'll just like not even show it. So that information is mute. I guess the question here, if we're looking at strategies, I mean, could you galaxy brain it, Justin, are you just, are you doing this to like throw us off the scent? Like, oh, Justin's interested in Donchell Hilliard. They're like maybe, uh, X, Y, Z, or is this just like a, a metagame for us? Uh, I mean, it could go either way. I, you know, I do look at it cause it's nice. It, it's interesting trying to see if they're just contingency plays or if maybe these are like deeper cuts that people, you know, players are interested in. ESPN also added that stupid thing where people can like click that they're interested in a player. So you'll see like one, one team's already interested in this guy. Um, it, so it can be interesting uh, to be honest. It does frustrate me that that information is public and I don't understand the point of it. If it's like a failed bid on the same player that somebody else got. Yeah. Okay. I get it. You know, everybody was trying to get that player. Um, but yeah, like these claims that you're mentioning, these, these bottom four, these were just backup plans in case I didn't get the guys that I had bid more money for. And now that inf- I'm being published, I'm being punished for having a contingency plan. And now that information is public to the league which I don't necessarily appreciate. And I don't remember the platform, if it's Sleeper or Yahoo, but one of them, your failed bids uh, because of roster size are not exposed to the rest of the league. That information is not known. Um, they just kind of fly under the radar because it doesn't impact anybody, you know? Oof. Bazinga. Oof. Oh, I, okay. I was just saying that I did not think that, or I don't think that the the information should be published to everybody based on your failed claims or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm... I, I think everyone's aware of that and the fact that we can see it, you should probably be using it because it is a small slight advantage. Um, but I don't think that moving forward, it should be an option, even though who knows with the SPN. I, I will, I'll disagree with both of you just, you know, just to get the hot takes on the air here. Cause I don't really care at all. And I, one thing I do care about though, I love this page. Uh, even though, especially in a season like this, I'm not really making a lot of moves. I love watching who you guys are dropping and who you guys are like trying to pick up. And I'm not going to, I won't even shy away from it. I'm like super judgmental when I'm looking at this stuff. I'm like, Oh, Ashley's trying to pick up who, like how many linebackers does she think you need? You know, like, uh, so I love it. I love seeing all you guys' garbage out there. I love seeing you guys all scrambling for these like horrible players. It's a, a guilty pleasure and something I hope never goes away. If anything, I, I just wish ESPN would add some sort of, you know, like commentary or, or, or something just to make it <laughs> a little extra spicy. This is, this is why Austin loves it, by the way. I messaged him this morning and uh, I'm trying to explain my issue to him and see if I can get his help. You know, we're the ESPN veterans. And his first comment is, oh, yeah, Dion Jackson. I meant to pick him up last night. <laughs> this, is, this is why I hate this information being out there. And this is why Austin loves it. Uh, yeah, to, I mean, it was all back and forth because I had 
a claim. I put in a claim this morning for him. And then you and I were talking and it was like, oh, I don't understand why I couldn't pick him up, but we couldn't figure it out. And I was like, oh, no, it was just in like he he went to get this player and ESPN fucked up somehow and he didn't. So I like canceled my claim, like feeling bad. And then later you're like, oh, it's my own stupid trade offer that, that this or whatever. I still haven't put it back in, but I'm like, God damn it. I was going to like tra- cancel that, sh- that, that waiver claim because I felt bad. And it's just Justin's stupid trade mongering. And now hopefully everyone hears this podcast before tomorrow. Everyone get those Deion Jackson claims in. On a real, now on I'm going to spend all the rest all of my fab on Deion Jackson. Deion Jackson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to see no fab. I'm going to drop all my fab and then no one else spends up. It's perfect. I just hope no one gets slapped over this shady business. And then we'll six years or six months from now, one of us sees each other in real life and has to slap you and say, you know what? It was because of that shady shit over <laughs> Dion Jackson. We all remember. The pod remembers. Um. Yeah, this week uh, I guess going you know into the the week that was the review here. Um, you know we've been talking Justin you know over the last few weeks. NFL scoring's been a little bit down, I think overall. Uh, fewer touchdowns. Uh, it, it definitely feels like to me over the past few weeks, like in fantasy, the lack of touchdowns is showing up. You know we don't have these like big plays or, or super high scores. Uh, but this week we got some pretty high scores fantasy wise. I'm not sure what the, the NFL score was like, but we had three teams over 190, uh, pretty nutso as far as the Bono's offense. Uh, yeah. And I mean, another team right on the cusp with uh, 189.9, uh, the average for the week was 175. Um, the previous high was 165 and that was in week one, right? Where you always see huge, huge scores week one. Um, I couldn't remember why I moved this Puma skull stat to the bottom. Um, but now I remember why I had it in the top in the first place. Austin, you scored 161 points this week, which would, which was higher than the average on at least half the weeks here. It was the second lowest score of the, the week, 161 yeah. points. And Austin is kind of the, the odd man out as far as scores go. Nothing compared to my uh, 138, but yeah, 161, that would have got you a, a win, um, almost every other week. And this week was the second lowest score. Yeah, we had a lot of teams in that kind of 160 range. Hell, we had a whole matchup uh, with uh, Boomers and Shitty Sauruses actually getting her first or second loss. Uh, excuse me, six and two now. Uh, but yeah, both high 160s there. Um, so, and that that's kind of a score we've we've talked about with a few teams. Uh, I believe you know we talked about the Bakers kind of averaging at 166. Uh, for the first part of the season and it's it's yeah it's like usually a score that's like if you're getting there you know and you're not p- facing maybe the top like three or four teams you're probably getting a win and then this this week is uh not really not really like that uh super high everyone other, other than jim playing you you know is uh facing high scores in their contest so tough week tough week for sure yeah ryan you had your highest score of the season 191 how are you feeling after this week Oh, uh, I feel great. Uh, like I kind of like I kind of started in the intro, though. I, I know next week's going to be rough, but hopefully we can kind of get back on track after that. But yeah, hopefully this week was kind of an indicator of what my team can be. I know they're probably not going to be up in the 190s every week, but it was a good, good little uh, insight to hopefully what what's going when Christian McCaffrey's popping off and when I got a quarterback that's not put score in less than 10 points and this and that. I'm happy with my 17 points out of Tom Brady. That's how bad quarterbacks have been this season. Uh, what's going but, on with your division? We called out the Sphincters last week for going 0 4, and uh, you guys, you know, put up three of the top four scores. You listen to Jim 
pulling together, uh, clinching tight. Uh, some uh, some statements being made by by Sphincter Division over there. We're we're just responding to the hate. You know, even Fluffy Bunnies came back strong and put up a good show. It's just unfortunate he was playing against uh, Martin's powerhouse Adams. For sure. Sorry, Justin. I thought you had something. <laughs> <laughs> killing it with the segues today uh yeah we we had um uh, you guys have to tell me how exciting this was because i wasn't i was i was pretty checked out once the scores were not rolling in um the final score looks pretty close here with our uh, matchup of the week tgif who is um uh, in my opinion been dominating the last month or so uh against the narwhals who are probably also another uh, underappreciated team but yeah it looks like super strong performances on each side uh, Ryan, how was uh, Janice's perception of the situation um, going through the games? Um, she was kind of, you know, leading through the the, the day. She was kind of getting some like, oh, this could happen. I could, I could do this type type feelings. And then in the late afternoon, I think she was feeling pretty good about herself. Um, we we weren't really <clears throat> watching the Sunday night game because we had a little block party thing, and then we were doing Halloween stuff on Monday night, so we weren't watching. Um, TJS final final linebacker go but I think she felt pretty secure about it from Sunday night on she was she was, she was feeling pretty good I think the the big um the big kind of hump that to get over was that Raiders game the duds that that TJF got out of that Raiders game who from Adams and Jacobs is I think what uh what really broke his back there cuz he's been used to some pretty studly scores from those guys and they really let him down I mean, yeah. just like he put up 178. Just imagine what his score would have looked like if Jacobs and Adams would have done what they usually do. He would have been over 200. Yeah, and I mean, he also had Higby, you know, throwing up a dud with two and a half points. Yeah, um, not even counting your sabotage trade of Tyler Higby. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. That, that was not my intention to sabotage him. <laughs> but Eric did uh, pick up DeAndre Hopkins, you know, to start the season, and he's come back from suspension looking like. Same old D hop. So, I mean, yeah, like getting the loss there for Eric, but like you said, putting up a, a top score and got a stud as a person who has, you know, had both Adams and Hopkins on the team at the same time. And actually that might be true of all three of us. Have we all, uh, uh, we've Justin, you've, that was last year. You had both of them, right? That was me. That was okay, my, okay. my one win team. <laughs> all right. At least two of us. I, that's a great combo to have when they're both going off. So I know that like Eric must be super disappointed, you know, getting that D hop game, but yeah, Raiders like totally stinking it up. What an ugly game. Um, yeah. Going back to Hopkins though, that touchdown catch that he had, did you guys see that? That was, that was just vintage Hopkins. That dude is so good. I could not find a good picture of it because I wanted to use it for the podcast uh, image and I can't find it. Well, I only checked for a minute on my phone, but I couldn't find a good picture of it. And that was really like bothering me because it was, it was incredible. It was one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen. And yeah, I feel like it didn't get enough attention. I was, I was watching it from the other side because my defensive back was covering him on that play. So I was like, Oh wow, that was great coverage. Oh wow. There, that was just an amazing catch. Like, I don't think there was anything that Harrison Smith could have done to the, to the announcers were ball. like flummoxed. They were like, why did he throw it to him? Like that was a horrible idea. Uh, but Hopkins went and got it. So that was a great yeah. play. Well, speaking of Halloween, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, Hopkins Halloween costume, if you want to sideshow Bob, it's pretty awesome. Google it. Yeah. He's killing it on social media this year. <laughs> Maybe every year. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it ended up being a pretty good matchup of the week. So I got to You know, we, I don't think Justin, we've had a lot of wins in the matchup of the week picking con uh, column this year. Uh, but I'll, I'll put this up as a win because we got you know two really high scores. Um, both these teams really needed it too. And yeah, it's like uh, another you know tough. We'll probably talk about this during the power rankings, but. Uh, Eric, you know, not, not coming out with a win. You know, of course, he's in a, a tough division there. But like you said, uh, he's he's had a great month, and it doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. Uh, I wanted to go back real quick because we were talking up Hopkins, but we got to talk highlight a player from Jana's team. Uh, DJ Moore is really enjoying the PJ Walker experience, mm-hmm. and that touchdown that he caught to win—I want to say win the game, not lose the game—to win the game. Even though I, they showed him on the bench and he looked like he felt like he lost the game, that was a stupid kicker's fault. Uh, DJ Moore made a badass catch, at the, and BJ Walker made a badass throw for them to win that game. That was that was awesome. Yeah, and I, th- I think uh, that was that had the highest like air yards on a throw uh, or like a touchdown throw or something. Meaning like PJ Walker threw it further than we've been recording for like the last twenty years or something like that. Whatever it was, PJ Walker is amazing. And I guess DJ Moore is all right as well. <laughs> Bringing those XFL skills over. All right, we're ready to look at some uh, power rankings. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, I believe, uh, you know, we're late enough in the season. I know last last week you were talking about, you know, shaking the rust off your old uh, playoff machine. I see some percentages in here. Are we getting some playoff odds? Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know some of these numbers, some of the rankings that we got in from people, I feel like they, they maybe are not paying attention to some, uh, kind of slower burn shakeups that we're having in the standings. Um, we can talk about it when we get there. We got bunnies at 12. I don't think there's any surprises, uh, here, you know, big showing this week, but still, you know, I, uh, this projection had him at 0%. I think if I ran it long enough, it might give him like a 0.01% chance. But yeah, pretty much over. I know he's been um, kind of shopping around. He, he posted in, in chat. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have either of you guys looking to been pick apart the, the bunnies, grabbing some studs, sending out some keepers? I would like to. Uh, hopefully some of my, my keeper prospects start showing out uh, before before the trade deadline. But we'll see. Yeah. yeah, it's it's unfortunate for Brett because his team, like I said, the, the studs are looking good. It, it just he's the hole's too deep for him to dig himself out of. He just had some tough luck this week, this season. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's 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 definitely selling time. I think uh, you know Brett Brett's not coming back, and that division, Swinkter's division, is is tough. Like it's going to be a rumble with the three of you guys up top. So I think for Brett to make a comeback uh, to get any a playoff spot is is probably out of reach at this point. Even though ESPN. They don't do percentage points, so they might be rounding up for this 1%, but ESPN is still giving Brett a chance. Uh, definitely sell mode uh, for, for me. And yeah, as a person who could use a running back, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these running backs and going, should I kick the tires? Is Alvin Kamara, yeah, he scored three touchdowns, but is he actually still good at football? I don't know. Yeah, Brett's in, in kind of a good position right now, too, because uh, none of the teams are like really out of it. I'd say most of the teams still have like a pretty good chance of uh, grabbing one of the wild card spots. I know when I was talking to him, he was pretty much asking for a king's ransom for his player. So uh, good luck if you're, you're going to go after that. Um, but, you know, Brett, there will be a window. There will be other teams that will be um, selling at some point. So time to make some uh, tough choices. 
All right. Coming up next, uh, this team, I was a little bit confused about this ranking, moved down one spot. We got the uh, Boomers, who I know, you know, they've had some pretty bad luck this year, but, you know, they're in fifth um, in points over the last five weeks, which is a, a pretty significant sample. Um, Ryan, how are you feeling about the the Boomers and where they're positioned right now? Um, I, I feel like, I, I know I, I run into this problem every time I do the rankings, it's it's hard to rank the teams right now because I feel like everyone. I mean, no no disrespect to Brett, but with the exception of Brett, because of his record, he's easy to put at twelve. After that, it, I can see any one of these teams shooting up the boards and going on a run. So it's so difficult to rank any of these teams. But yeah, I definitely could see see that Boomers should be ranked higher. The problem is just deciding how to rank or who to rank above him or, or whatever. You know. Yeah, and it's uh, I think it's another you know looking at the division too. Um, even though Robert you know also got a loss and went down to six and two, so uh, Andrew's only three games behind. Uh, in a vacuum, I mean that's like that's plenty of time you know to to maybe make a push, but he's got to start you know putting together wins pretty much every week for the rest of the season. More realistic, we're looking at you know one of these playoff spots, and um, you know right now Martin's Adams got a one game lead on the boomers, but more importantly have about a hundred points. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of scenarios I think where the boomers could make it, but where they're going to get hurt a little bit is those tiebreakers because in the mix is, uh, you know, quite a few teams who have scored, you know, um, just more points than the boomers had, but to your point, Justin, he's been turning on a little bit recently, um, and still in the top half of scoring. So, Definitely. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. we spend a lot of time looking at like these division leads, but if you look just after that, I mean, most of the league is either three and five or four and four. Yeah. Uh, those might as well be the same record. And yeah, Andrew, he's sixth in points right now. So it, yeah, probably won't win the division, but as far as grabbing um, either the fifth or sixth um, seed for playoffs, yeah, that, that could definitely happen. Yeah, I think uh, the the difficulties teams like yours, Ryan. I, I won't I won't put any adjectives on them. I'll just say uh, you know the surfers, uh, but also the bakers are like this, where you guys are, don't really have the point total to put you in that top half. But what is it? What does it matter? You got the W's, and the W's are stronger than points. So it's like that's a scenario where yeah, if 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 Andrew can make a run and tie either you or Robert for you know one of those wild card spots. Uh, but you know, the two, three games behind at this point, that's really tough to to make that kind of run and 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 catch up to to your guys. So that's where those W's are. It's a really good safety net for you. All right, coming in after that, we have uh, TGIF, who uh, again, just a complete like disrespect for what this team's doing. Eric is uh, where did my notes go right here? Eric is second in points over the last five weeks. And again, I know you know I don't think that he's going to win the division or anything. I think it's going to be very easy to uh, leapfrog my team. Um, and once he gets into that territory, he's still a little bit behind on points because of a real, real slow start to the season. But, you know, I mentioned this a lot on the pod. Like when I look at the teams and I'm looking for like, oh, wow, this guy, you know, it was a great draft pick, it turns out, and stuff like that, and depth and stuff like that. I mean, I think Eric's team is killing it right now. How are you feeling about TJF, Ryan? Uh, Eric's like in such a great spot. I feel like he really got um... – he really hit on all of the like suppress or the the low price players who were, you know, uh, Godwin or Hopkins who had the suspension. Godwin was hurt, and a lot of those guys you're kind of leery about in the draft. And he was able to kind of, you know, make his way through the beginning of the season. Now all these guys are coming back, and he's just got a superstar team. 
all these like his his lineup his is just so stacked from top to bottom. His bench is stacked. He had to he had to bench Chris Godwin. You know, like he's it's it's crazy how how good his team is. It's unfortunate that he played against Jana this week, who outscored him, but he still put up a great score this week. Um, I think I think Eric is definitely on the rise and is definitely going to be a super tough matchup um, moving forward. Yeah, and Justin, you and I as division mates of Eric, we're going to have to face him, you know, in our last three weeks when we're trying to to get those essential W's to lock down those playoff spots. So, um, yeah, I don't know what uh, your numbers say, but ESPN's putting Eric still at at thirty two percent, you know, playoff odds. So giving him a shot to to make it. Uh, yeah, mine has him at five percent. I think that's definitely underrepresented. The 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 playoff machine and most of the projections in general take um, into account what your team has done over the entire season. Um, but I think a lot of us have seen that that's not necessarily representative of what a team might do. You know, Eric started the season 147, 139, 135. Okay, he's one of the worst teams in the league. Then he scores 166, 183, 147, 184, 178. I mean, that's, you know, three scores over 165 or four scores over 165 over the last five weeks. I mean, that's very, very like solid play. So, yeah, I think... Uh, I think Eric's team is definitely in line. I'm looking right now, too. He has two weeks where he was the second uh, highest scorer of the week. So, so stings, close to that $20. But, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's trying to get that money. <laughs> um, coming over, another team that's not getting as much disrespect, um, but is still probably underrated, the uh, the Narwhals moving up two spots, um, beating Eric. Uh, let me see what I have for points over the last thing. Um that can't be right. Yeah. Uh, so six in points over the la- over the same time period, but you know, definitely stringing together, especially when you look at the last month. These aren't like eye popping scores or anything, but you know, increasing each week: one fifty five, one fifty seven, one fifty nine, and then one eighty nine this week. So, uh, Ryan, what, what's going on? How, how fearful are you of the narwhals, and what's what's the temperature in the the Roditis household? Um, she's been she's been grinding it out, and you know, Travis ETN season is here. Yes. We saw it. We saw it begin last week. It's only just going to keep getting hotter. Uh, the Packers have finally realized that Aaron Jones is their best running back. Sorry, Austin. No, um, no. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and as soon as Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews get healthy, or Lamar Jackson is healthy, but you know he gets back to having Mark Andrews be healthy and they can start you know, bromancing again, it's just it's going to be wheels up. I think this team's about to just start lighting it up. League winner Latavius Murray coming in strong for her. <laughs> that is unfortunate to have your running back get traded to Denver. That's <laughs> yeah, that sucks. It uh, is really funny how many like uh, pickups we talk about that are just like throwaway pickups that end up being surprisingly relevant. Um, because yeah, Latavius Murray, it's just kind of like a what if thing. Austin, you picked up a uh, Carolina running back is kind of like a what if thing. And uh, yeah, both those picks seem like they're paying off. Um, yeah, Jana's uh, always done really well at the waiver wire. We talked a lot about some of our other pickups, but I wanted to name drop uh, Divine Diablo, who I meant yeah. to pick up around week two, and I'm just kicking myself. I'm surprised that he's ranked 16th overall because uh, his numbers are just incredibly consistent um, with some nice ceiling too. Yeah, I think um, yeah, you you highlight a great pickup there, and he he was a good uh, I think early season, maybe the last couple of weeks have dropped off. Um, now this is less a comment, I guess, on on Jan's team specifically, but again, just looking at that division, looking at all the divisions, um, really, like I think Justin, back to your point, you know, like Brett Brett's kind of ruled out, but 
again, we have the scenario where Jan is sitting at the bottom. Narwhals are at the bottom right now. Only three games out from first place in that three and five, you know, kind of mesh. Um, but still seems like, you know, pretty solid chance. Like it's like, I can't, I can't rule anyone other than Brett out at this point. Um, but yeah, I think uh, what, what must, you know, be painful for, for Jana is uh, just kind of a tough luck season so far. I mean, she's third in points against, um, so it's, you know, I know that she's had some ups and downs with her offense scoring points, but it's always tough when you're facing generally, you know, one of the top teams that week going in and out. And because of that, you know, she has that three and five record and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, she could put up a great half, uh, you know, second half of the season, but having one fewer wins than Martin, having two fewer wins than, you know, Ryan, you know, potential, uh, wildcard uh, opponent there. I could see that coming to the end of the season and, you know, I don't know. I just, I have a feeling that we're going to get some tiebreakers that are going to break people's hearts. Uh, jumping over to eighth, we have, uh, Ryan, your team, I guess, uh, a lot of disrespect going the other way here. Um, you know, good, good standings, you know, maybe, maybe, or maybe not a fake team, but posting a good score this week. Um, you know, how, how are you feeling about the rest of the season besides um, many times we've already talked about it so far? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, grats on your win this week, Martin. Um, after this week, I should be feeling good. I got I got one more big buy. I got T Higgins on buy after that week, and then hopefully, I got my players are all going to be all healthy and ready to ready to go down the stretch. Hopefully, we can we can make a strong push going back through the division, which is when I when I need it most. Is there a um, a draft pick or a, a strategy you utilize this season that you're kind of patting yourself on the back uh, right now for, or maybe kicking yourself? Um, like, hmm. I, I think I would say I feel pretty good about how my IDP has performed for being like a budget IDP. Like I, I spent you know zero dollars on my IDP, and I think you were kind of talking about it last week how streaming it almost gives you a little bit more freedom because you can play more matchups than um anything else but also um you know idp's not as deep as i remember it being in the past there's i remember there being a fair amount of more people players on the waiver wire i think more of the managers have kind of wisened up to it and are holding more idp players on their bench and so there's just not quite as much depth but um i I feel like i've navigated the idp section pretty good or pretty pretty good for for how much money i invested in in the draft um other than that other i don't know i'd like like i like having the the two strong running backs obviously i'm super stoked about barkley um but it's it's also kind of worrying when you've got that much capital in your team like like i said like this week they're both on by and i just that's my team right there like i don't have a chance you know that's there's just no way I can do anything without those players. Yeah, and this is a, a tough week to uh, you know get kind of the the buy penalty because um, Martin you know is sitting just a game behind you as far as wildcard standings go. Um, you guys are probably going to be duking it out for one of those playoff spots, and uh, yeah, the, you know, get Martin a win against you. That's a that's a big leg up, leg up against one of your you know rivals for the season. Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll have to play a little bit of catch up later in the season. All right, moving over to um, another team that didn't move despite a uh, what some would call a horrific performance <laughs> and four of the lowest weekly scores of the season in our eight-week-long season is Giant Octopus, who, in my opinion, is grossly overrated in these rankings right here. 
Um, but yeah, you know, pretty bad week, pretty bad decision-making, uh, Harrison Bryant. Um, I was very, very happy when I saw how well Cleveland was doing. And then I, I had to refresh my app about a hundred times to make sure that he really had zero targets and zero catches. Um, but yeah, you know, just, uh, I don't know, was venting Dawson before the, uh, the pod started just, uh, definitely feels like I've made some very wrong choices this season acquisitions drops. Yeah. I made a joke about if I offer you a trade, you should take it. Cause it'll probably pan out. Um, a lot of bad decisions this week, uh, but you know, I think at some point you need to look in the mirror and say, I'm planting my flag in Ronnie rivers, Taekwon Thornton and Khalil Shakir. And just, you know, really just go take like a walk in the woods, you know, maybe get some distance from the whole sport and come back with some perspective. It's a strong stand to take, uh, even for the Khalil Shakir believers <laughs> out there. Um, yeah, I mean, when I look at your team and I think a lot of people feel this way, you know, you look at it and you go, oh, that's pretty, you know, pretty stacked team, especially you look at some of the the rankings, like positional wise, you know, it, it's like, oh, well, stuff must be going all right for for justin um but yeah i know you know last week you had a couple of bad uh you know uh benchings uh you just traded tony pollard which it, i mean we were laughing about this but if you guys if you've never had tony pollard on your team and just been on the tony pollard train this is what happens you have him for the first half of your league if, if you drafted him and then you either drop him or you trade him away and then he'll immediately blow up it's like guaranteed he cannot blow up on your team Unless I guess you're lucky enough to get that midseason trade, but um, yeah, I don't know. So Justin's like, I, I look at it name value wise, it, it feels like a strong team, but uh, you bring up some good points, damning yourself and saying, you know, saying that this is more illusion. So we'll see. I think it's uh, it's really important your your next few matchups, how many wins you get in the next few weeks to see, you know, is this going to be a, a strong playoff push? You're going to get one of those wild card spots, or are you going to need you know miracles to happen in those last three or four weeks of the season? I think your your high rating ranking too probably just becomes from your your reputation as a manager. Uh, everyone, you know, expects or the, knows from your track record that you're usually are going to have a competitive team. So they probably are factoring that into your your power ranking. Then they haven't been paying attention if they think that I'm <laughs> can make my team better than it is. <laughs> All right, let's uh, go ahead and jump over to uh, Niblonians who, you know, are, are sitting at the number six spot. Um, I think that, you know, but given their point total record and everything, uh, despite the standings, they have a 73% chance at making the playoffs right now. And, you know, I, I think out of these these non-division leading teams, I actually think that they're probably one of the, besides Martin, they're probably the, the next closest that I'd say as far as being like um, a lock for the playoffs. Yeah, uh, Lucinda's team is looking really great. I uh, got a real up-close look at how good they are. Again, even in a week where it didn't seem, you know, like like her team was popping off or anything, you know, I I definitely got a, like, a tempered-down version of the Niblonians, and, it, you know, it was still good enough for the second-highest scorer on the week. Um, I, I think it's really cool, you know, like, we love the divisions, we love the rivalry that it makes, and, you know, the competition to get those playoff spots. Uh, we've been watching, again, you know, this is the Sphincters Hour, I guess, on the pod, but we've been watching the Sphincters all, all season. Uh, we talked a lot about, you know, Ryan duking it out with Jim and Lucinda, but I love this this battle between uh, Lucinda and Jim that's been kind of going on as, as they, you know, try to get that division lead. I love that Jim get, you know, congrats getting our top score, 20 bucks is yours for the shenanigans, uh, but just barely outscoring Lucinda. And I, it must be like extra aggravating. You know, she gets a big win. 
um, but still can't make any headway in the division rankings. And Jim still gets $20 for the best score, even though she had a early top score. Uh, I don't know, Ryan, how are you feeling about your division mate in the Bolognians? Uh, I was just glancing at her uh, her week ahead. She's She might have a worse by, by apocalypse than I have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's always a threat to put up a huge number. She's made some super savvy waiver wire pickups. Um, and yeah, she's just been, she's been crushing it. I, she's going to be competing all the way to the end of the season. Yeah. Like this last week, I think is a perfect example of what all of us would like with our team. I mean, she scored almost 200 points, but she didn't have a single player score more than 20 points, just completely balanced all the way top to bottom. And that's both good and also makes you think like, man, what if, you know, if she had like a guy pop off for 30 or, you know, a couple of guys for 30 or something, the score could have been even higher than what it is. Um, so yeah, real, real balanced performance. I'm terrified. I, I think another reason why I've been talking to myself out of actually being in the mix for this stuff is, I mean, I'm looking, I mean, we just said Lucinda's the, 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 she's the sixth best team right now and her team is incredible. Um, you know, so it's, it's easy to feel like we're all in the mix until we're not. Cause, uh, you know, half the leagues not going to playoffs. Um, let's go ahead and jump on over here. We got the, um, the bakers who I guess we're finally getting some respect for their wins last week, uh, with the third place position, but yeah, now all the way down to fifth taking the loss, uh, you know, actually took the loss as well. So it doesn't hurt quite as bad, but you know, with the point total sitting where it is, each each loss is a, a pretty important because he's going to drop in those uh, tiebreakers pretty quick. But um, yeah, I mean, aside from Pollard, you know, not a ton going on. Ryan, how are you feeling about the the Bakers? Is this uh, is this division going to have a, a big shakeup here in the next couple of weeks? Um, I don't think so. I think he's got enough of a win lead, and I think that he's still putting up, you know, good enough scores that I think he's going to be able to hold on to that lead. I think it's going to be pretty tough to catch up to him in that division. Yeah, we'll have to see. It's uh, it, you mentioned Ashley's team there. They're kind of in similar spots with now uh, six and two records at the top of the division. The difference there with Ashley is that you know she is now officially the top scoring team in the league. She's got me by a point and a half. I am coming for you, Ashley. Um, but yeah, so I mean, she's you know maybe not sitting as many wins above you know the last place team in her division, uh, but she has the points to make that tiebreaker. This is the the scary scenario with with Roberts that we were talking about in the last few weeks. You know, even if he went uh, three and four these last few uh, weeks, you know, Martin would need to six and one to to just tie. But he's already got one of those losses down. So if Robert loses, you know, one or two more, uh, and Martin keeps up winning, you know, that tiebreaker is definitely going to go in Martin's favor. He's the third top scoring team in the league right now. Um, so yeah, a little scarier, definitely. Uh, even though in the standings looks like a, a similar position of security as Ashley, uh, I'd say Robert's in a much less secure position. And uh, I don't know. He's making trades, though. He got Pollard. That definitely paid off for him. We'll see if it uh, continues to pay off for him in the weeks to come. It, it does. One thing that makes me laugh about our league is you'll hear on a podcast or like, congratulations, if you started Pollard this week, like you just won, you know, uh, it's just it's funny to me because our rosters are so deep that like, obviously, it was great getting those points from Pollard. But, you know, you're, you're still pretty far from a victory, um, you know, unless the rest of your team. Yeah, I love all the tweets I saw this weekend that were like, oh, if you had Dante Foreman, you won your (laughs) matchup. And it's just like, oh, this is sad on so many levels. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right, jumping over, moving from fifth to fourth, we have uh, the Shenanahads, yeah. who I think we spent um, a good amount of time talking about. But, um, you know, not as much of a balanced performance, but, you know, he had a handful of guys go off. I was watching that. <laughs> that was one game I did catch was Derrick Henry just running all over uh, fucking Houston. And that, that was when I knew it was over. I watched him break like his third, you know, 10 plus yard run. And I was like, dude, I am never going to recover from this. Um, Ryan, how are you feeling about uh, Jim's team? Uh, also a note on that Derek Henry thing. I was watching that pretty closely because I don't know if you guys noticed, but I started that linebacker for the Texans that took over from uh, Camus Grugier Hill after mm-hmm. he left. And this guy had like no track record of any playing time, but he was just like the next man up on the lineup. So my thought process was, well, this guy's going to get 100% snaps and he's playing against the Titans. So he's going to have to catch Eric Henry 60 times. There's got to be production there, right? And like, I think within like the first drive, there was a play where Derrick Henry was out in the open and he kind of ran up to the side of and Derrick Henry just stiffed arm and into oblivion. <laughs> didn't get a tackle, didn't get shit. And I'm just like, oh, wait, maybe this could go bad. Maybe this guy is just not good enough to tackle Derrick Henry. Yeah, well, somebody's going to tackle him and Derrick Henry is like, no. Yes. Sadly, there's no points for being an obstacle where you just merely slow down Derrick Henry. <laughs> Luckily, he, he, he managed to still pick up a, a handful of tackles, but yeah. It was it was a kind of a scary moment, but yeah, uh, Jim's team is just just a juggernaut right now. Like he he lost Brees Hall and hasn't slown up at all the last two weeks, right? Yeah, no. he put up a high score last week too, didn't he? Yeah, number uh, one score last week. Oh damn! Yeah, twice in a row. Damn. That's oh, sorry, I was talking about the the this week that we just played. Nice. Oh, I meant the week the week prior. Yeah, no, he scored but, horribly last week. Oh. Well, points. this week it didn't it didn't affect him. Yeah, his 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 team still looks incredible. His wide receiver core is stacked. He's going to be tough to catch up to in the sphincter division, but I got my eyesight on him. I'm yeah, he's had um, a lot of the the buys already taken care of. So the Eagles have already been a buy. Derrick Henry had his buy. So yeah, I think he's kind of on the other side, and I think he should be able to take advantage of the fact that um some of these other teams haven't had their their big buy weeks yet. Yeah, I know we've I know we've you guys have talked about it in the past, but man, just like having that that Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen style quarterback is just like such a humongous advantage. It it can't even you can't even put like a, a scale on how big of an advantage it, it is having that that style of quarterback. Just, Justin Fields joining a company. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah, Knock on wood. Justin Fields and uh, Jalen Hurts to me are like similar in that vein, in that. You know, um, a lot of the quarterbacks, you want the top quarterback and then you stack them, right? Um, but Hurts, I mean, yeah, if you have A.J. Brown and you're stacking Hurts with A.J. Brown, you're probably doing all right. Uh, but Hurts doesn't really need the stack. And I don't think Fields needs a stack either. You know, he might have Claypool now and, you know, he has Mooney. But uh, th- these are guys that will just like, you know, throw like two touchdowns to whoever and then they'll run two more in. And you're, it's like, I don't need no stack. This is the best player on the field part of part of my going back to the draft part of my reason for um keeping uh uh trey lance was because i i would realize that like if you didn't have or i thought that i realized that if you didn't have a quarterback of that style then you really were at such a huge advantage and i I saw him as being even though like i really wasn't super optimistic about him being great but just i i saw him as being like one of the the routes to having a quarterback like that i guess he, he at least had a chance to be like that. So 
that was one of the reasons I kept him. I mean, obviously that didn't work out. Unfortunately, hopefully it makes a speedy recovery and whatnot, but it, it really feels like if you don't have one of those quarterbacks, you're just, you're just you're playing catch up. Yeah. Well, moving over to the number three spot, we have the uh, Adams who got a big win. Uh, four and four could be a lot more. Um, you know, I don't know. Adams still look pretty good despite some uh, holes in the lineup. I think they've got the, the star power to make up for it. But um, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I kind of disagree with the take earlier that um, the Bakers are going to be able to keep a hold of that division. I think Martin can make up the two wins and uh, the point differential is so big. I think it's going to flip over and I think Martin's going to be looking at a... Um, a division title. Hey, if we get another week uh, like they just had, Robert gets another loss. Ryan get or uh, Martin gets another win. Then they're one game apart with five weeks, six weeks left to go. That's going to be great. That's a big push towards that playoff spot. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I mean Martin's team and my team are kind of sitting in similar positions. We're in second place in our division with four and four records, with the second and third highest scoring teams. Uh, so yeah, I see, I, I, I see some Puma skulls in these atoms. Um, but pretty much, I mean, no matter what you, you mentioned, he could make a push for the, the division lead, which by the way, you know, reminder, uh, and, and not saying that, uh, Jim, you know, leading the, the sphincters can't get that, that buy spot. But, um, I mean, right now, Robert, the Bakers have the, the buy with Ashley. And uh, if, if Martin's going to make a push to take over Robert for division lead, I think it's fair to say there's a good chance that, you know, that division could still be ahead. So, I mean, it's more than just like get, getting that win, getting that better seed. You know, Martin could be playing for a, a buy spot. But it, no matter what, he's in good position to make any sort of playoff push. I just need to get a couple more wins. Keep maintaining that high score. He's going to win some tiebreakers. So, yeah, I think we'll be seeing Adams in the playoffs again. Yeah, I, I can't get over this every time I look at it. But if Adams had the Bakers or the Bunny schedule, they'd be 7-1 and one right now. Incredible. Mind-blowing. I'm, I'm looking at, at Martin's uh, lineup right now. And aside from Drake London, he has uh, three kick returners in his wide receiver uh slots which i think is pretty i think he i think i really do think he's found an edge here i i had started deandre carter a couple weeks ago and i dropped him on his buy i was actually hopeful that i would be able to pick him back up after his buy and Mar- i saw martin scooped him up right away so he's really got an <laughs> eye out for the these kick returners and and i think that it's it it is a bit of an edge the, these kick returners that are still getting um uh you know wide receiver looks and are still getting a couple receptions to kind of to kind of get them chances to score and whatnot. But, but these guys are getting a nice, nice floor from the kick return. I mean, when you're, yeah, when you're, when you're talking about like some skill positions where you, you get down into the, into the murky depths, um, you know, getting an extra two points from kick return yardage doesn't sound like a lot, but that that's a really good floor to get. And yeah, it's like, I, I know for myself, uh, I, I don't know how you guys feel, but like early on with kick returning yards, I was chasing receivers who were returners. Then it, you know, they changed all the rules. So there are a lot more touchbacks and I kind of started ignoring it by then. But um, yeah, it's like when you catch somebody and you see them get a couple points and it usually happens when you're playing Martin, cause he has all the returners and you're like, damn dude, Braxton Berrios just got two and a half points for doing nothing. Like, fuck dude, I need those two and a half points. But, uh, it can add up fast. All right, jumping over, we got the last two teams here. Uh, no surprises, we got the Puma Skulls at number two and the Shitty Sources at number one. 
Austin, another uh, down week, uh, you know, Diggs pulling his way. Um, Allen with, uh, you know, I think most of us would take 17 points, but a down game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor looking maybe hurt. And I know Rashad Bateman left the game too. So a handful of injuries that happened this week. How are you feeling? Um, I mean, the, the foreman pick paid off, but it kind of seems like the rest of your team is uh, may- maybe a little turbulent. Yeah, it's it's uh, a little tough uh, going so far, but um, I, I don't know. I don't. I feel generally pretty good. I think like looking at Martin's team, uh, you know, makes me feel just safer. Just because I, you know, like I said, he's in a similar situation as me. I'm pretty confident that he's going to get in the playoffs. And if I feel that way about his team, you know, I like obviously I like my guys better because they're my guys. So uh, you know, I should feel equally as confident about making it. Um, I don't want to talk about my team too much. I feel like this is the Austin scene podcast, uh, but I do love talking about IDP. And I will say that this was uh, definitely, I think my worst week with IDP, just uh, no real ceiling games, uh, a lot of floor games, a lot of just like kind of mediocre stuff. And yeah, it's, just, it, it's, it's really apparent with my, I think my skill positions are more like boom or bust. And when those guys are busting, like my wide receivers aren't paying off, you know, that's where I really need my IDP to kind of come in and fill those, uh, fill the, that lift that score average a little bit. And it's really apparent when they don't show up that, you know, it's, there's not a lot uh, going on. So I, I can't believe that I even went into a Sunday night matchup with the pillar still yet to play and kind of knew it was over by then. That's, that's a, that's a rarity when you have, uh, you know, studs like Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, but um, yeah. How do you, how do you feel about the Roquan Smith trade? I, I mean, obviously that's going to be a nice boost for Morrow, I'm guessing, since you were, you had both the, the bears running or uh, linebackers, but what do you think that's going to do for Roquan? Do you think that's going to be any better or worse for yeah, him playing for the Ravens? We'll see. I mean, real quick, uh, you know, we're, Justin, we've talked about the uh, two linebacker, one team uh, strategy this season. Um, I was actually just full disclosure uh, in a few weeks time, I was going to get out of the, the, the bears uh, linebacker field, you know, finally just go solo with Roquan. So that, that problem kind of solved itself. Um, but I, I saw some breakdown that said that like he probably because the Ravens are I think are you know there's a, a definitely a change on the offensive side they have a better offense than the Bears uh, which might mean like fewer snaps but you know somebody was saying like hey he'll probably get like fewer tackles but more explosive plays so we'll see all I know is you know, we talk about Juju we talk about Magic uh, I, I'm kind of a weird numerology person and uh, did you guys see what number Roquan's picking up on the Ravens? No. 18, which is a really weird linebacker number. Uh, so a lot of people are kind of like calling him out for like, oh, dude, you know, stupid linebacker number. Uh, 18 is like one of my go-to jersey numbers. My my green uh, Puma Skull Stang jersey is number 18. So Roquan's uh, getting in tune with the Puma Skull numerology. I think that bodes well for the future. Nice. That is great news. Um, but yeah, jumping over a uh, second week in a row, we got uh, the shitty sources who took a tough loss to the boomers. A lot of upsets this week. Um, uh, technically, uh, you know, stat corrections could still come out here. Um, massive, massive game from AJ Brown. Same thing. If you're listening to podcasts, oh, if you got AJ Brown, you know, you just won the fucking championship. Um, not quite, you know, let down by not a lot of her players. And I know she's pretty pissed about Brian Robinson, not scoring a lot. And, um, I think like you said, Austin too, she, uh, was pretty let down from IDP, nothing like too egregious, but you know, she had to stream one position and only getting three points out of that was uh, the difference there. 
Um, yeah, what, what's her, uh, you know, we were just talking about like the trade deadline in, in NFL and all the hot news. On one hand, uh, you know, Hines got traded to the Bills. Um, but on the other hand, I know, you know, she has Kareem Hunt and he's kind of been in a no man's land on her bench. You know, do you start him or not? But, you know, one of these names that was coming up in trade talks a lot, she disappointed Hunt didn't get moved at all. Uh, yeah, she was. I, the, I mean, the good thing about her team though, is like, she doesn't need any of those no. guys to pan out, but it'd be great. You know, if Pacheco takes off or Hines or Hunt or, you know, Robinson, um, I think the Pierce Stevenson backbone is, is strong enough, but yeah, I, I think she is hoping that, you know, maybe the Hines situation pans out or coming out of the buy, um, you know, Pacheco maybe takes a, a bigger timeshare there. Yeah. I don't know, you know, what her strategies are like, but like you said, like she's got a good, uh, stable running backs and good running back depth. Um, so yeah, I just imagine if Hunt got traded in real life that you'd just become a hot fantasy trading commodity and Ashley would be able to, to, you know, move him to fill in some other holes, but yeah, uh, Ryan, I don't know how you feel about Ashley's team. I know we've talked about it every week. Uh, definitely scary. She's kind of, for me, looking like she's going to get a lock for that division lead that first round by. So I don't know, Justin, maybe we should just gun for those uh, playoff spots. But uh, yeah, Ryan, how, how scared have you of, of Ashley's team? Um, super scared. I mean, she's consistently putting up huge scores every week. Um, you know, she 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 faltered this week, I guess, barely. And that was with Travis Kelsey on by, Pacheco on by, down game from Joe Burrow. Like, you know. It's pretty explainable where where the the shortcomings came. When I think she'll pick right back up in the next week, and she'll be she'll be back to doing what she was doing. Yeah, uh, you guys mentioned being busy on Monday night. I I did not watch Monday night because you know I was trying to pretend that fantasy football didn't exist. Um, but yeah, I kind of missed the you know Joe Burrow and the Bengals didn't do anything. I mean, he ended up with thirteen points, but I think when I first saw in chat that you guys were talking about, it, I checked during the third quarter and he had like one point, and that that's where I was like, oh shit. Ashley's going to lose. Um, Justin, was she like watching that game live? That sounds like a miserable experience to have to live through. Oh, we watched um, a little bit at the beginning, but no, we, we didn't really get to catch much of it because we were out, um, you know, trick or treating. I'm trying to look now. I know that Cleveland ran the ball a lot. Yeah. Time of possession, 36 minutes. So yeah, I think probably getting adjusted, you know, we talked about um, Jim losing Brees Hall, you know, she has lost to Chase for, at least the next couple of weeks, if not the next couple of months. And I think that is going to sting a little bit. Um, but hopefully, I mean, we, we saw the Bengals do well before without Chase um, with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and stuff. So hopefully they can kind of get that taken care of. But yeah, I think Cleveland kind of executed the perfect game plan against them and just, you know, played, played keep away essentially. Yeah. Well, um, Ashley definitely has an interesting schedule coming up. Uh, plays Brett this week. So uh, tough going for Brett. Um, but you know, we'll see, you know, maybe coming off the, the big loss, maybe Ashley's going to go into some sort of skid. Um, but after this week, you know, facing Brett, the schedule gets really interesting because it's pretty much facing people who are going to be contending for a playoff spot. So two weeks, uh, she's got Ryan and the butthole surfers. I'm sure Ryan, you're circling that matchup as a, oh, yeah. as, as a big one for you. Uh, then faces Adams, uh, who we've talked about a lot, you know, contending in that division and then comes back for divisional play against Eric, uh, Justin and then myself for the last week. So, um, even though, you know, she's sitting pretty, she's in top score points, uh, top points scored. I can speak. Um, and sitting with that six and two record, 
you know, this is not the easiest schedule to end out the year and definitely not one where I think that she'd be happy going like three and three, uh, because if you're going three and three, you know, you're, you're maybe not locking down that division win. So big, big schedule for, I think all of us concerned since we're all involved here, uh, we need to make statements and beat Ashley. Ashley needs to make statements and beat all of us. Uh, but yeah, it should be fun. Well, that's it for the power rankings. Let's go ahead and look at our matchup of the week, which hopefully we pick, um, you know, another good one, but you never know. We got the uh, Puma Skulls versus the Shenanahads. We've been kind of praising both teams quite a bit. Um, I specifically mentioned also, I thought this one was a little bit interesting because t- Jim's team has running a little bit hot and I think your team has ru- been running a little bit cold. So hopefully we can find some, uh, balance there. I'm noticing a lot of Q tags next to a lot of names as I look on this as well. Um, and looks like he'll be missing his favorite player, Alex Singleton as well. So that'll probably <laughs> sting. Um, but yeah, Harv. How are you feeling about this one going up uh, against the uh, Shenanahads? You know, this year so far, my losses, well, actually my wins and my losses have been coming in twos. So if that cycle continues, then I should be back on the win track. Although that doesn't bode well for me, you know, ending with double digit wins this year. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm getting a little bit lucky catching Jim with some some bye week hurts and maybe some actual hurts as well. Uh but uh, he still does have player name Hertz who could lay the Hertz on me. So there's lots of Hertz scene that could go all sorts of directions. Um, but again, I'm just not, I'm not going to look at Jim's team. You know, they, the Shenanahans need to do what the Shenanahans need to do. I'm just looking at what the Puma Skulls need to do, and we need to go put some points on the, the board. We need our defense to come back and, and step up. And uh, if Roquan is going to shine on Monday night in that flashy new uh, purple and gold 18, um, then, you know, do it with style and maybe, uh, we can end this match of the week with a, a thriller of a defensive performance on Monday night. How about you, Ryan? You, uh, picking one of these teams feeling one strongly one way or the other? Um, if I had to pick one, I think I'm leaning towards the Puma schools. Uh, Puma schools do need to kind of shore up. A, they got some running back questions because, uh, we're still not sure about how Jonathan Taylor is going to do at this point in the week. Uh, Foreman had the huge game. I don't know. What do you think, Austin? Do you think you're going to be, I mean, obviously you're not going to expect a player to blow up like that every week, but do you think there's more weeks like that to come from Foreman? Or do you think that was kind of more of like an outlier? Well, Uh, we'll see. You know, we talk a lot on the podcast just about like, you know, we're all analyzing fantasy football, but there's actually like the real game of football, which has its own stupid coaching decisions and just own kind of like WTF moments all over the place. Um, Carolina is like one of these weird, like real life oddities where it's like they trade Christian McCaffrey and then suddenly like their like third string running back is doing all right. You know, a dude that other teams have, have dumped in the last like six years. Uh, It's just, it's weird. It's like when Deion Jackson on Indianapolis went off uh, when JT was out because they, I don't know, they threw him the ball a little bit. And it's kind of like, how, how do, how do teams, how do coaches keep their jobs? How do teams keep functioning in the real life in an NFL? which is this sort of shenanigans all over the place. Every, everyone's so focused on them trading CJ, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. And then all of a sudden their offense is doing good. But also what happened in that same time is they got rid of Baker Mayfield and they put in the goat PJ Walker. Sure. And I think that that is really what, what's, what's made the difference there. Well, if you're asking me if I feel good about starting the running back of a PJ Walker led team, then the answer <laughs> my friend is yes, of course <laughs> I'm ready to ride this train. But yeah, uh, going back to Jim's, uh, 
he's got you know he's got a couple holes in his IDP that he's got to fill. Um, but you know, it looks like his wide receivers are you know locked and loaded. He's got a couple cues. I think Derrick Henry was just getting a rest day. I don't think that's a real cue. Um, so yeah, you'll still have to contend with that. Derrick Henry has just been a fucking monster these past couple of weeks. That dude scares me every time. Yeah, and the, oh. uh, I mean, a lot of scary names here. The 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 name that I'm looking at not only scaring me for this week, but also for the rest of the season. Not a name we've mentioned a lot this season. Scary Terry, and it is you know the scary season. Uh, he's been you know coming back on strong, so I think. Scary Terry could be leading the shenanigans back to the bubble. We'll see. Yeah, since Heineke's come in, him and McLaurin have a nice rapport. Heineke's kind of got all that that YOLO nature, and that kind of feeds well to McLaurin's game because he will go up there and get those balls no matter where they're at. Man, I love – whenever I see the headline, Taylor Heineke starting, it's just – it's special kind of joy. Uh, you know, I, 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 good for football. I don't know if actually good at football, but good for football for sure. All right. Uh, well, I think that's it as far as the podcast goes. Justner, Commissioner, do you have any other PSAs, any other notes for the league? Uh, yeah. Go get uh, Deion Jones. Put those bids in. Can't even say the dude's name correctly. So uh, hopefully you're not listening to this for a waiver wire. Uh, uh, they caught it earlier in the pod when I said yeah. it right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ryan, thank you for joining us. Do you have any uh, parting words, uh, maybe for your opponent this week or just general messages for the league? uh no i well thanks for having me on guys um good luck the rest of the season to everybody um like i said before congratulations on your win this week martin but i feel sorry for all of my opponents after this week because the surfers are gonna start start crushing some teams yeah we're getting into some weird sort of juju talk now with the pre uh pre-gg before the the week even starts we'll, we'll see if this sort of galaxy brain idea works for ryan oh, no no this there's no intention of a pre-gg here this sure. is like a legitimate like like my i don't have the players to field an actual roster gg <laughs> it's just a logistic a logistical gg <laughs> i know what i am okay <laughs> Well, for the commission, for Ryan, this is Austin signing off. We'll see you next week. Since I'm punting this week, if anyone wants to send me any uh, punt trade offers, like for later on, I'm, I'll, I'll happily send you some players for some players that aren't playing this week. Yeah, you know, and send some real trade offers because I don't, I don't have it up exactly when the trade deadline is. It's coming up in like two weeks, maybe. Week but, eleven. Uh, week eleven. Okay, so we're entering week nine. So you guys got two more weeks. Uh, definitely, you know, send out those trade offers and don't leave them just hanging around because you never know what kind of waiver wire shenanigans it will cause. Just listen to the commish and hear his words of love. Uh, but yeah, talk some trash. I still haven't seen a single Trevor Lawrence, but whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold you guys' feet to the fire. If you guys don't want to draw that awesome face, then that's on you. That's on you. Uh, but meanwhile, we'll see you next week on the Bonos Fantasy Football Podcast. See ya. Bye. Bye.